Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Nick Davenport, a.k.a. Mr. Mental Muscle. And we have a special edition of the Mental Muscle Podcast. We're here in beautiful Beverly Hills. I got a special guest, a great friend of mine. You've probably seen me on many of his videos, so it's his turn to come over on my channel. Mr. Phil DeRue, how's it going? What's up, Mr. Metal Muscle? How are you doing? Well, it's going great. We were sitting in a hotel talking about business moves and different things like that. And he said, why would you do the podcast? And I'm like, might as well. So we're going to talk about content creation since he has, what, 280,000 YouTube, almost 200,000 Instagram, 100,000 on all of the, so about a half a million probably across. So I got a little bit of following too. If you follow me, obviously you're on this channel. You know, I got about 20K on this and maybe 10 on another, but who's counting? But the point is we put in a lot of work. Like we're going to talk about how it goes to build up your content, to get it out to the world, to make quality content where people really care to look at it. And the toll it can take on not just the creators, but the people who watch it. So I let Phil start off since he has a little more experience in the game. When it comes down to content creation, I think that the main thing is to find out what your audience likes. First of all, you also want to figure out what you actually like and then where your target audience is going to be at, whether that's Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. TikTok now is blowing up and we, we've seen some trouble that they're getting into today. But let's face it, that's the, that's the actual platform where everybody's going to. So if you are in that space you have to understand that space you have to figure out the algorithms and sometimes they'll change you have to figure out where the where the actual content should be created where the audience is and then from there you can go ahead and put together a strategy a game plan tactics that are going to allow you to get to that audience and create some quality value valued content that people are going to want to listen to or watch every day, multiple times throughout the day. Now that makes a lot of sense because a lot of people, they get caught up more so on, you know, it being part of our daily lives and people want to just scroll for hours and then they watch other people and they say, hey, I could do this too. So if you're going to get into that, got to know the toll it might take, the, the time commitment, like you said, understanding the algorithm. And I guess with the algorithm, what would you say like, how do you defeat it? Not defeat it, but I know it's like, I'm not a mathematician, but I know it, it sorts out the content in a way where it is only going to show your stuff to the relevant viewers. But in order to kind of get ahead of it, you got to know what to put out. So how do you, how do you personally go about that with your content? It, it really is a lot of trial and error. Sometimes, you know, videos that I thought were going to hit don't really hit and they stay on my platform until we repurpose them, you know, months down the line. And then when I repurpose them, they actually do better than they did the first time that I put them on. So it really just depends on the timing. It depends on, you know, people's awareness of your actual content. It also depends upon the day, you know, as far as the time of day, what day it is. Now, as we're in California right now, if I go to put out some content at this particular time and it's sitting at 930 at night, in Pacific time, now that's that's later on in the East Coast, and then it's even further later in the nighttime or in early mornings over across the Atlantic. So I gotta know exactly what time I need to put my content out, how many times a day I need to do that so that it can boost the algorithm and allow for the people that are watching my content to get to see what I'm actually putting out. And then from there, the reach and the engagement helps boost that algorithm too as well. So we want high engagement. We want to make sure that we're able to communicate with the people that are 
put posting out comments and things of that nature. So always, you know, make sure that you're at least at the very least liking the comments, even if they are some shitty comments here and there. Uh, you definitely want to make sure that you're conversing with the people that are going on your actual posts and putting out comments there too as well so that it can show high engagement. And then also from there, you want to make sure you're maintaining that high level of value for each content that you produce. So do you ever catch yourself kind of like catering to the algorithm or doing content that you don't prefer? Not, not say you don't prefer because obviously you love what you do, but there might be some videos where you're like, I really want to make this content or this topic, but do you know trending on your channel is like another, like say five ways to knock someone out doing these strength exercises, like stuff like that. I do and I don't. So like I'll always make sure that I'm putting out the titles necessary for those to click on and actually see. I'm not, now I'm not trying to be someone who's, who's just putting out titles to get clicks, but I know that if I do put out a certain title, that it is gonna get higher engagement, it's gonna get higher click-through rates and things of that nature. And then from there, I will base the actual topic off of more of an approach where I would come at it as opposed to something that's just gonna be viral for the sake of being viral. I'm gonna make sure that I still maintain my virtues. I'm gonna maintain you know, my actual training process and how I do things. But I'll talk about a certain situation that's right now in high awareness and what people want to see. So I will go where the attention is and then I will put my take on it as a professional. Yeah, I gotta admit that's that's a good take because me, myself, I know that on one of my other channels, I think we talked about this a few times on the mental breakdown where I break down the psychology of like popular events, shows. So I had a video that went viral for me. It was like a hundred some thousand views and it kept telling me to make more content like it. it was on the show Love is Blind, which Guilty pleasure. I watched that show and a lot of people know it. And I was like, I don't want to make no more videos about this because I got caught up in this is not my content. Like it got me some views. Great. So I ended up making maybe four more videos because of the trend. But I'm like, I can't keep doing this. So I understand that. But um, get into another topic with content creation. This is something I know you can relate to is like not necessarily burnout because obviously it's not physical, but the mental stress of, well, I take that back. So for for you, those who do not know, his name rings bells in the strength conditioning field. But if you're on my channel, you might not know because of the mental side, but he does a lot of physical stuff in all his videos. So I take that back. So it does take a physical toll. So that being said, like the physical and mental side of like having the, like you said, get content at this time, this date, your scheduling and all that type of stuff. We just talked about that. Like right now it's, and I even said it, it's tiring, man. Like, it's exhausting to the degree of you always have to be on point and you always want to make sure that you're giving the most value. So it takes planning. I see you planning all of your videos for hours on end, doing research. You know, for me, it's, it's the physical side too, as well. It's taking everything that I've learned in the past, man, now 20 years of actually training, 14 years of coaching and trying to relay over some small bits of information that people can digest and actually get and not take it too far to where it goes over their head or not not scientific enough to where people can understand it and actually see the benefit of it not going too gimmicky either i don't want to do that and i want to make sure that i'm able to again give that value where that value is needed so it's it, yeah it's exhausting man so i think that 
you know, scheduling out your times, understanding what you want to put out, doing your market research, seeing where the attention is. And then from there, putting your take on the attention. Like right now we have the TikTok situation. So there's where our attention is going, right? That's where everybody's attention is going because everybody loves TikTok. Even my wife, she's 43 years old and she, and, oh man, she can be mad. I said her name. I said, her, yeah, we're going to cut that out. We're going to cut that out. Oh <laughs> uh, no, but she's, you know, she's older. She's not, she's not a teenager. And I see a lot of older or older generation. You're looking at like the Gen X and millennials that are on, that are on TikTok now where it's not just about the younger kids. So with that platform, I know I'm getting back to it. It's, it's really, it's going to take a hit at some point. I believe it's not going to last or that is going to be very censored in a lot of ways. And that's going to be a big issue too, as well. I think YouTube's here to stay. I think YouTube's going to be going to be the, the one that's standing tall at the end of the war on social media. You know, TikTok is still there. It's going to always be there. It's kind of like the water cooler of all social media platforms. You know, nobody cares about LinkedIn unless you're a business owner. So it was a more for the higher level B2B concepts. And that's actually more beneficial for myself and yourself as, as business owners and entrepreneurs. But um, for the average social media user, it's not really, not really an issue. Now, Facebook, kind of irrelevant at this point, <laughs> if you really think about it. Instagram is always going to be there because everybody loves to show off on the reels and and there's a large business that's being produced out of Instagram, right? You have Instagram models, you have Instagram influencers, you know, they're making the money. And, and then from there, it kind of goes off into, you know, doing other things on, on higher levels of, uh, of content creation, whether that be on TV, whether that be, you know, Netflix documentaries and all of that. So really social media is going to be here to stay. It's just who's going to remain at the end of the day. And, Who's going to be able to be able to put out that valued content on those platforms that are going to be based around the platform's actual algorithms and how it's organized right now? Everybody's going to kind of compete on what's going to be better. You see that Instagram and even Meta or Facebook is trying to go the route of TikTok, right? They're putting out reels, they're putting out stories and things of that nature. That's that short form content. But you also have long form that still kills it, right? Like this podcast, you can go two, three hours long and people want that because they have long drives and they want to listen to something while they're driving or they're, you know, doing their cardio in the morning. They want to listen to something like this where they're getting quality information and it's long, long standing where there's bits and pieces of good stuff in there throughout that long term duration. And then it can be repurposed on these other platforms in short form. So now we can take this podcast, repurpose it either on Instagram, either on TikTok either on Facebook and still make it happen and even put it on YouTube as long form or repurpose it for clips and put it on YouTube uh, stories and shorts. So yeah, it's a lot there. So it's the gift that keeps on giving. So th that's a good point you, I want to go into because we talked about on one of your podcasts that I came on personality. So perfect segue, the types of people to make the certain types of platforms. So I'm going to go through a few of them. We can go back and forth on what you think. I'll say what I say. So. Start with TikToks, like I said, that's the hot button issue. The CEO went on uh, front of the, the Senate. And I personally think TikTok is more for people who just want to be on the latest trends or they, they, they really want to just get you and grab your attention for a few seconds because you see a lot of like 
jokes and, and funny videos, but it's not really contributing a lot of information. Now, obviously there is some channels that, that have information and they'll drop knowledge and break down like facts and, and interesting stuff. But for the most part, it's something can make you chuckle for a few minutes, scroll to the next one and that's it. But when you say like YouTube, like you said, that's long form, you really have to put in effort. Like the type of person who makes it on YouTube probably could make it on TikTok, but I highly doubt the person on TikTok can make it on YouTube. What's your thoughts on that? Hmm, that's interesting. I think from a big five perspective, you have openness for TikTokers and, and especially extroversion as a TikToker. Um, even with YouTube, you know, the people that like YouTube can be highly conscientious because they like that long form. So they like to get details. And and even with even with podcasts are detail orientated. And there's some organization that goes along with the podcast. You gotta have certain segments and sections, especially for good ones. Um, with 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 TikTok and Instagram, especially like shorts and reels and things like that on YouTube, we want to make sure that we understand who who we're actually listening to. Because at the end of the day, I want somebody that's going to be able to give me information, especially if I'm going to listen to someone. I want to get bits and pieces of information that I know that I'm going to take with me in my own profession and in my own life. And I have to know that that person is aligned with virtues that I have. So getting back to the personality traits and the personality types, I think that they have an understanding like TikTok is going to be someone who is, like I said, outgoing, extroverted, and and has those openness to to do new things, whether that be anything that's going to get them viral activity. So uh, I feel ashamed that I didn't start off with the big five, but props to you. So if we're going to use the big five, let, let's 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 look at agreeableness. I've got a question for you that'll go hand in hand with this. So for those who don't know what agreeableness is, one of the traits that's a person who's more likely to cooperate, be getting along in groups, kind of go with the flow. They're not argumentative. So this is my question to you, and I know you have a, you're gonna have a good answer since you have a big following on all the platforms. So who is worse in your comments? Who is less agreeable? Who's disagreeable and likes to go back and forth? YouTube. I've seen both, but YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok? A hundred percent is TikTok. Hands down. Hands down. One is because it's it's a shorter form of content. So I could go into detail on a lot of the info, but what I found was that the demographic really just loves to hate on certain things. Now, don't get me wrong. I do get a fair share of good comments and and support and love on those on that platform, but if I were to pick between all of the social media platforms is definitely TikTok. I think that they, I don't want to say I want to put them in one box of demographics, but I think that uh, overall, just from me seeing it, it's, it's, it's TikTok. YouTube has its ups and downs, especially if a, if a video goes viral, you're always going to get somebody that is just going to try to hate just to, just to do it or just to try to get your attention. You know, Instagram, I have a loyal following there. So it's not really a big issue um, with with Facebook or anything like that. It's really just. It depends on the cold and warm traffic that we're actually getting a hold of the warm traffic and the people that I've been following me are seriously showing me support. So that's not the big issue. It's really when you go viral is when you're going to get everybody and anybody wanting to just be heard. And so that's in any platform. But, yeah, if I were to pick the all of them, it'd be TikTok. So keep going with the big five. Let's talk about neuroticism. 
I'm going to ask two fold questions. So for those who don't know neuroticism, I talk about this on this channel all the time. So if you don't know, uh, neuroticism is basically high worriers, people stress off over every little thing. So my question to you is from a creator standpoint, who do you think has higher neuroticism in the sense of who is going to stress more of, am I going to have a good video? Who's going to like my kind of piggybacking on the comments. But so from a, a creator standpoint, who you think have higher neuroticism since the different platforms had different expectations. And then the second part of that question is which uh, people who watch it would have the more higher neuroticism, like the viewers on which platform, meaning they're going to probably take heed to what the creator saying and have a bigger influence on their day to day in a negative way. Cause sometimes, you know, on certain platforms, they'll hear an influencer or a creator say something and they're like, Oh my gosh. Cause they take it as word. So, who as a creator has the higher neuroticism and who has a, a watcher on what platform? It's, it's hard because I can't really speak for most, but I have, I have friends and people I talk to that are YouTubers and, you know, quote unquote YouTubers, they put out content on YouTube. And, and then I have some people that I know that do TikTok and, and then podcasters too as well. I think it's hard to say as a good question, but I would say that podcast hosts definitely have high neuroticism, especially when they're bringing on guests, right? They want to, they want to do good. They want to have good questions. They want to be able to relay over those questions effectively and efficiently. They want to have good conversation with the person that they're bringing on that they admire. So that's something that I would say based off of even my own perspective, that it would be more neurotic in that, in that way, because of the fact that you are bringing on somebody to talk to, if you are doing a guest speaking even when you're not doing it, when you do things for yourself, like you do, you know, that's a high amount of stress. There's <laughs> a high amount of, of work that needs to be done on the back end so that you can relay over information that is actually going to be accurate. And so that you know that what you're saying is going to give that end user high value. When it comes to consumers, I would definitely say again, TikTok, <laughs> because they will take a snippet of information, 15 seconds, and treat it as gold. And the real thing is like 100%, like if you want to go on TikTok and, and get some information, cool. Just fact check it and make sure that you're doing your own investigation and you're doing your own research on that particular topic and not just treat that as the only source of your information, right? Because people do have agendas and they want to get views they want to get likes they want to get clicks so as soon as you hear that make sure that you go and do your due, due diligence and make sure that you are doing your own research on the topic so this is a psychology channel so we we just come in full circle with this so i'm bringing up something called the dunning kruger effect because you talk about how people watch content and then they sit there and have all this criticism and they might tell you that's not how you do a zercher squad or they told me that's not what ptsd is and it's like oh, we just spent the last decade working on this, reading numerous articles, working with hundreds, no, thousands of clients. But what do we know, right? So going to that point, Dunning-Kruger effect, I broke down the last one with neuroticism. I'm gonna let you break this one now because, you know, we a team on this channel. And what's the Dunning-Kruger effect from your understanding? From my understanding, right, it's something that people, it, you told me, I think, a little bit, a little bit ago, but it's like having a bias towards your own, way of thinking is that is that what i what i would say or ignorance of where your skill set is yeah so like i feel like i'm in 
a better position, even though I'm not. Or let's say that an under, let's say an, an achiever, an overachiever, somebody who has high talent tends to undervalue what they do, right? Whereas somebody who is, let's just face it, who sucks, right? Thinks that they have a better understanding or a better way of doing it or has some type of misconception of or not being able to conceive the fact that they actually aren't as good as they think they are. That's actually pretty good. And give them a round of applause. So, yeah, I actually use my uh, many analogies, but the one I like to use the most is let's use sports. Since we both sports guys, let's say you're a six, six freshman on a JV basketball team. You're dunking on these kids who are like five, seven, you're shooting threes. You're the man. Everyone on campus loves you. But let's look at an NBA player who's spent the last decade or two working on their jump shot to get to the NBA where everyone's great and they're, say, a bench player. So they understand the, the length of time it takes, the technique, the, the struggle to get to that point. So they're able to say, like you said, I'm at this level. So I understand most people probably work hard to get to where they're at. But on the flip side, they're less humble. They're like, yeah, I just do it. Who's going to tell me anything? So the people who are less experienced, they tend to be the 6'6 six, six, uh, freshmen, while the people who are more experienced are the NBA player on the bench, even though you say, oh, he's on the bench, but he understands the amount of work. He's humble enough to recognize it takes a certain level of understanding and skill to be competent. And the people who are less competent are always going to you know if you ever got in an argument with someone, it's like, no, nah, man, you're wrong. And they just to the blue in the face. So that's pretty much what I, can't, I hate to see. Keep bragging on TikTok, but I have no stake in the game. I have one, but nobody follows me on there. But it is what it is. How, how many do you have on TikTok? Uh, I think it's around like it's nothing crazy. It's like thirty three thousand, something like that. Thirty three thousand, nothing crazy. I got between the two. I have I think like fifteen hundred. But to put in perspective for those TikTok, it's just like inflation, right? On YouTube, a hundred thousand is legit. On Instagram, half a million is legit. On TikTok, a million is legit. So it's like every increment on each one, you have to go up because YouTube takes so much work to get uh, subscribers because it's not like Instagram where there's a lot of sharing going on. It's usually the algorithm, right? Pushing you. Well, in the beginning, there wasn't a lot of people on the platform. So there was a lot of people in the beginning of, of TikTok's creation, or at least from the transition between Musical.ly into TikTok people were starting to hop on and get a lot of followers. And the good thing is with, with TikTok is like anybody and anybody, anybody and everybody can get famous on TikTok. You don't have to have a huge amount of uh, talent. You don't have to have a huge amount of uh, success from a given profession or career. Uh, you just got to be, you know, interesting. You have to be putting out content that is entertaining. Yeah, you know, as you want to say something, go ahead. Do you have to be interesting, though? Because <laughs> I think there's a discrepancy well, in talent if you want to. I'm doing finger quotes, talent. But that's, but that's subjective to the individual, right? What interests me may not interest, you know, my 80-year-old grandmother or something. But at the end of the day, it's like, all right, they're obviously getting interest in some people. And is that a testament to, you know, our our society as a, as a whole? Is it a is it something that has a direct reflection on our education system, the information that we're getting, 
the some of the stuff that we're getting fed, brainwashed material that we may be getting fed into. Maybe, but I will say that it is a lot easier now if you really wanted to go hard on it and you really had nothing else to do with your life. <laughs> you can get a large influence and a large following on it on TikTok. Now, I I respect most of the people that really go in on it, to be honest, because it does take two, three, four videos a day. And you don't really have to do anything extravagant. You just have to be funny in some people's eyes. You have to be good looking in other people's eyes. You have to put out information that people are interested in. And then from there, you have to be consistent. So it's not any different than any other platform. It's just so short form that you can pump out multiple stream, multiple times throughout the day and use any stream of content that you had repurposed and put that into TikTok too as well. So there's a strategy there. If you hit it the right way, you can do it. The problem is, is that for somebody like myself or somebody like you too as well that do courses and online programs and things of that nature, it's very, very hard at this point right now. It's easier on my end on, on Instagram and YouTube to have a, a direct call to action to our actual courses and programs to help other people find out more details on what we're doing. If they want to train a program that I've written out, if they want to do a course that I've created, they're able to do that very easily. Um, even with TikTok, you can go to the link in bio and all of that. But people really aren't looking at that. You know, they're looking right through the video and swiping back up. You know what I mean? So with Instagram, they can read the description a little bit easier. You know, YouTube, you can actually, you know, physically say it on the video. Go to link in description, so on and so forth. And then that that way, just based off of experience, you you can have the ability to get direct sales. But with TikTok, you wanna try to find different ways to monetize. And I was even trying to find it earlier today, man, you know, but there's ways now. And I still think that it's just the way you do it and, and the type of content you wanna put out. So this is probably the last time I'm going to go with TikTok because I want to turn this into a TikTok bash session. But going back to the CEO going on Capitol Hill today, it's like, I don't know how many people know this. I know me and you were talking about this, but the algorithm in China, it shows kids learning how to build things, science lessons, fun experiments. But in America, you see a lot of prank videos, dance videos, challenges. Shoot, a lot of the content I've seen personally was just people lip syncing to other people's shared content. And that video goes viral. So a billion people share that same audio, but with them lip syncing. So that brings up, you know, I'm a creative. So it's like I'm not knocking it because I get the supply demand because if you're needed and you're bringing that kind of content, they're going to get it. But to the point of why aren't we seeing that quality content? It, is that a psyop? Is that is that the new frontier on war? Are they going to make us our next generation? Because we're too old, but our kids and under to the point where they they get brainwashed, like you said, and they don't join the military because of this stuff. So instead of killing people on the field, the battlefield, you just don't have nobody enlisting. And then China comes back with one billion strong because they already had like one point six. Right. And, and it's only twenty twenty three. So who says twenty fifty? They there, and I'm not trying to turn this to like a, a warmongering channel, but it's just interesting to think about because 
talking about the psychology of it all. What is really going on? What do you think? I know I might have been far fetched with that, but it, it, it is interesting because I have kids, you know, and I have I have an eight year old son, and watching it's a different era. It's a different way of thinking, you know. Um, I have to always, as a parent, reiterate positive things that are going to give him the ability to be who he needs to be um, and, and try to help him in any way possible, but obviously not think for him, you know, and that goes for my daughters too as well. But with this generation nowadays, and even now, if you look at the stats, you know, even men in general, testosterone rates are down, you know, so now kids are getting brainwashed in such a way that where I don't like to say brainwashed, but they are being influenced in such a way that it's going to be very hard for them to act as how we need individuals to act when threats come upon us. And what I mean by that is they can't be soft, right? They can't be, um, it's, it's an interesting and very difficult topic, but they have to have the ability to, to go to war, man. Like to really have the ability to defend not just themselves, their family, their household, their country, if needed. Uh, we don't have a whole lot of that going on in, in the next generation, but we do have some very intelligent people coming out of this generation, right? So I think that if we can conceptualize that and put it into a right practice, then we'll be okay as a whole. But we also have to make sure that we are reiterating the fact that you still have to be conscious of physicality, you still have to be conscious, and it's coming from a strength coach too, so it's a little bit, you know. But I think that for me, I want to, I want to help the young crowd and and teach them the way of of being the right way. But who knows, man? I think that there's always a motive, there's always a an objective for for power to be established. And you gotta think in game theory, you know, and you gotta think in 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 other ways that where this is chess, not checkers. So there's always a move that goes into the next move that goes into the the next move, and maybe this is their first move, their their first line of action, and they're playing offense right now, and we're trying and we're acting like we're playing defense, but in all actuality, we're definitely getting our pawns snatched away. So that, that was a lot. And I, I being a stream coach, I, I thought of something while you were saying all that. And I forget who said it. Maybe you can tell me. It was like, hard times make strong men. Strong men make easy times. Easy times make weak men. And weak men make hard times. And the cycle just keeps coming back. So people say we're at that part where easy times is making weak men. And getting to the whole testosterone thing. So... Once again, it's a theory. We have a lot of theories on here, but we, we make them make sense since we both, no matter what our fields are, we're both scientists at heart. So hear me out. You're a strength coach, right? And one of the best ways to produce testosterone, level, testosterone levels is strength training, primarily like, like squats, deadlifts, things of that nature, right? Compound lifts. So going back to people spending a lot of time on TikTok or any social media, I'm going to leave TikTok alone for now, video games, Things that don't require you to move, which let's be real, our generation probably was the last generation to really play outside consistently. Obviously, kids still play outside, but I can honestly say you can answer this too because you live in a, a neighborhood. I don't really see a lot of kids outside. So going to the point, 
They're not doing strenuous activities physically. Therefore, obviously, testosterone goes further than just physical activity. It's also, you know, genetics and but all that, but food as well. But as far as like they're not getting out as much, you're not doing things that really make your, your bones have any tension on them, your muscles. So therefore, we're breeding children who will grow up to be men or women too, and they're gonna breed and it's gonna already be ingrained in the DNA of this is what they are from baseline. So what's thoughts on that? Am I still getting far fetched? No, I I don't think it's I don't think it's the social media aspect of things. I think it's just technology in general. You know, um, and it's hard because I'm a content creator. I do a lot of things on technology. We use technology on a constant basis, but I do know it's necessary to do physical activity. It's necessary to put yourself in hard situations, hard times, because there's no way to adapt if you don't put the stress on the body to adapt. You don't put the stress on the mind to adapt. So with that, yes, you have to give it that ability to do so. With my, it's funny, with my son, you know, he loves playing his video games. So then I give him a set amount of time to play his video games. He has to get out of the house and he has to go run around doing whatever he can to to get sweaty, right? To to get a little tired and to, again, get that strenuous activity in, you know, where I know that it's going to be beneficial not only for his physical, but also for his mental. And that's really a big thing. And then from there, we want that to carry over into their young, you know, teenage years, teenage years into adulthood. And that way they can understand hardship. They can understand adversity. They can overcome that adversity through those times of play, through those times of, of hard, strenuous activity. Uh, you don't get that a whole lot when you're, when you're just surfing through the internet or watching, you know, Instagram or YouTube or whatever the case, you know, the good thing about those platforms is it gives you several different ways to utilize it so that you can go out there and do your physical activity. For me, I do a lot of content on strength and conditioning. Most of my content, if everything is on strength and conditioning or mindfulness, right? So like, I'm trying to give you the blueprint. I'm trying to give you little tips and tactics that you can use to go watch the video, but then at the same time, go to the gym and go handle business. Or you know, when I'm doing a podcast, that's something long form where you can actually sit down or you can listen to it without having to, you can sit down and listen to it, but you can also go and run and listen to it. You know, like last night, uh, we walked on the treadmill. We did two hours on the treadmill, listened to a whole podcast. So you do physical activity in the same form, but also get the information needed and get some content that you want to consume, but still do physical activity too as well. So get the best of both worlds. That makes sense. See, I'm glad you said all that because I know it sounds like I'm anti-social media, but just like you said, I'm on it just as much pushing my content. And if you're listening to this, obviously you have it too. And that that's the perfect point though. We live in a world where you're not really going to get rid of it. And I'm not one of those people who is a purist, like I miss the good old days. Now, obviously I do miss some of the times where life was a little slower and we didn't rely on headlines on a, a post to give us our news. But at the same time, there's a lot of benefits. So that's literally how we can share this information, how we can look up stuff instantly without having to go to a library. I don't know how many of those can remember those depending on how you age. So it's like you have to look up where a book is before you even get it. And then you got to find the page. And once you find the page, you got to find the, the line that the information is on versus just type in a, a two second Google search. But um, yeah, that's good to know. 
So it's pretty interesting when you look at just like the history of how humans socialize, right? If you go far back enough, it was what grunts and noises. Then we had written language. And the only way you could really communicate was face to face like this. Then over some years, then you had like messengers. They would send notes to the next kingdom and say, hey, we, we wage and war on you or we bring peace. And then eventually you had the mail service. And then that got up into what a, a telegraph. And then and those who don't know what a telegraph is, it's with the Morse code with the beep, 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 beep. So beeps were literally how we communicated long distances. And then what I we had. I was after that. Yeah. Because mail, mail is just, you know, there was some form of mail, obviously. I don't know how the systems work compared to U.S. Postal Service down here in America. But um, and then it went to what? Telephone. So it went from beeps on a line to actual, hello, how are you doing? And then we got to what? TV and radio or radio then TV. And then some crew form of the internet came out, I think, in the 60s. And then in like the 80s, what kind of looked like what we call internet. Now you got instant messenger. Yeah, it's been around. Remember, I used to be a history teacher. Thing ain't new. And now it's literally social networks, which I would say has combined all of that stuff because you have mail systems, you have instant messenger, text, emails, content. So it's like, it's a good thing and it's here to stay and I'm not mad at it, but it's just interesting on how it's come so ingrained in our society. And like you mentioned, like you got to override it and do things to combat that. So I'm asking you this from a strength coach standpoint, but obviously since this is a psychology educational podcast, I would like to integrate both. So I'm going to ask, what are, let's say two things you could say to combat internet usage by combining, like you said, combining different things. So it's a part of your life, but you still have segments where you keep active. So for example, like if I was to say, I would like, or you said actually running while being on a podcast or listening to a podcast, what's one way you would do it? Like the real strong way, like a, like an innovative method on the spot. For technology and as far as like making sure that it's even. Well, I use Parkinson's law on a lot of things. So I make sure that I maintain a certain level of time frame for each individual section of the, of the day. So like if it is technology, like even as you see me, I'll go, <clears throat> I'll go in for 30 minutes and then I'll take a 15 minute break. I'll go for either 30 to 20 minutes is like my cutoff point, right? Where I can focus in deep on something and then I know I need a break a small break so that I can, you know, recalibrate and get things in order, <clears throat> you know, breathe, take a step back, clear my thoughts, clear my mind, and then get right back to it. So within them 15 minutes, I can go for a walk, right? I could do something physical. I could do whatever, push-ups, you know, squats, I could do some mobility work, right? In between those 15 minutes. If my if my main target goal right then and there is to get the actual computer work done, right? I can do a full-on workout, get some content on the workout, finish the workout, and then post on Instagram or post on YouTube or something like that. So there's that fine balance but it's always going to be based upon time frames, so that I know that I'm not taking too much time in one direction or the other. 
right? Because if I do too much physical work, then I'm going to be exhausted and fatigued overall. Cortisol is going to be increased. Stress is going to be high. It's going to be too high to where I can't actually physically focus or mentally focus on the task when it comes down to doing my, my work on the computer or doing my work on the phone, whatever. <clears throat> Another thing is I got to be physically and mentally checked in when I go and do meetings or calls, Zoom calls, whatever have you. But with that being said, there's always a, a way before I get on to any call, before I get on any uh, webinar, seminar even, I'd like to do at least 10 to 15 minutes of physical activity so that I can get into a flow state and I can clear my mind, clear my thoughts, but also hone in on the details when it's time to do so. So I get a huge boost of dopamine, you know, and I get a, I get a good clarity <clears throat> and, a, and a mental focus uh, to do work, whatever the work is. So there's that balance there. That's where you can match the physical and the technical based on the technology and also based on, you know, your physical movements and actions therefore after. So I heard you mention dopamine and that's interesting because I did a episode uh, two weeks ago on confidence. And one of the segments was on how social media affects our confidence. And I won't get into too much of that. If you saw the episode and I mentioned that a lot of times it inflates ego because you got people getting thousands, sometimes millions of views. And it's up to you or whoever's watching the debate if it's worth it or not. But on the other side of that, this is what I'm we're going to wrap up with this. I'm going to ask you this. On the other side of that, a lot of people don't talk about is the people who put out great quality content and don't get really interaction. And I've seen people tell me like, hey, man, I, I stopped posting because I got sick of posting great stuff, informative stuff and got no interaction. And it wasn't that they they didn't do well. It's just that it didn't go because of the algorithm or whatever it is. So what would you say to the person who's putting out great content and then I've done that plenty of times and I still do that and it still happens to me. But it's always it's still there, right? So keep repurposing that thing, right? There's no rule where you can't post several different times, right? There's no rule on that. So like if you see, you go into my Instagram, you'll see reposts from years before that may have did okay, and now they do like ten times the numbers. It's like I said, it just depends on the timing, depends on the day. It depends on who, how many people are there on the actual platform itself when you post. You know, algorithms are weird, man. But I tell you this, it can be frustrating. It can be exhausting. It can be, you know, like, like your guy says, like, I don't want to post anymore. I don't want to do this because I'm not getting any engagement. The frustration that you get from no engagement is, is very frustrating, especially like on any platform that you're putting a lot of effort into. So I understand that. But at the same time, just know it's a part of the process. It's all about consistency at the end of the day. Because if you consistently put out stuff, it doesn't matter. Somebody's going to see it. And I'd rather have somebody, I'd rather have five people see it that all follow me and support it and, you know, want to invest in something that I do than a thousand people are like, just pass by it. Like it just for the sake of liking it. And I've been watching it and I'm digesting the actual content. So for those thousands, for the thousands or hundreds of thousands of people that follow me on Instagram, if I only have a thousand people that are loyal, I'd rather 
produce content for those thousand people that are loyal. That's it. Great words. Never give up. I can definitely identify with that because I've had days where I put all my efforts into it, get nothing back. But I'll say, you know what? Either I learn to make it better next time or if it is good, like you said, repurpose it. I have definitely videos that I've reshared on other channels because we both have multiple channels and they do numbers on the other channels. Like, like I said, the algorithm doesn't always make sense. I'm like, I share that at the same time. Sometimes I do it at the same time, same time of the week and just to see. And it'll be night and day. One will do 10,000. The other one will do like 800. So whatever it is, guys, if you're out there and you want to get into this, hopefully we didn't discourage you. But I hope we motivate you to the fact that you got a guy who's literally putting out three to four videos a week and a podcast. And another guy who me is giving you these podcasts as well as my other videos. If that's any testament, we both started at zero. So if that makes any sense, take it what you want. So, Phil, wrap it up with uh, anything you want to plug. I know you got programs out, as always, where to follow. I know I didn't give you a proper introduction, but we've done so much together, it seems like automatic. But what you got for us? Let's see what I got. I have several different programs. You can go to darushon.com for all of my online programs, my courses. Uh, we're actually going to be starting up a university. So that'll be another level to the mentorship. We're actually going to have three levels. You're actually going to be included in that. So welcome, Mr. Metal Muscle, to the Darul Strong University <laughs> as a professor like he already is. And also Pushing Peaks, man, we're, we're actually out here in Beverly Hills with Timbo the King, Timbaland, my brother. And uh, he's doing, you know, he's doing his producing thing, but we're also maintaining our training because we have goals to meet. We have milestones to make. And for me, consistency is key. So I had to come out here and do it and bring you out here too as well. And so Pushing Peaks is a program, but it's more so, it's more than just a program, honestly. It's, it's optimizing human performance from a full level, right? Taking it from the mental side, psycho psychological side, all the way to the physical side. So this is for men and women that want to push themselves past their limitations, get all their goals accomplished, get full on accountability from me and from Tim and give it a chance to win, you know, a couple of dollars. We're giving out $5,000 transformation challenge. We're also giving them a chance to win a training, a full on training with me and Tim. And then from there, we're going to do webinars. We're going to do conferences. And then I got something really big in the works, but I'm not going to let it out just yet. Also, uh, what I got? Supplements. Battle tested. My post-workout recovery drink. It's now available. It's actually the drink that we utilize for all of the weight cuts. So I formulated. All the formulations are on there based upon getting off the scale and feeling better but it's also really good to replenish yourself after a strenuous hard workout. So check it out, Battle Tested. It's on fightsupplements.com, which is my website. Domain name had to change because we had so many domains. But you can also find it on darustrong.com too as well. If you haven't followed me on Instagram, it's at darustrong. Twitter's at darustrong. My YouTube, if you want to check it out, just go ahead and search Phil Daru, and I'll pop up there. Make sure you subscribe, 
to my man's channel. Make sure you follow him on Instagram too as well. Mr. Mental Muscle and Mind Body One and the Brain Range and whatever else. But go ahead, give my brother some uh, some love, support, and thanks for watching. Or thanks for listening. Yeah. You heard the man. As always, thanks for tuning in and get your mind right.